This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good evening everyone. We're continuing our series of Shurim on Sefer Devarim. Welcome everyone. Our Shurim on Sefer Devarim are graciously sponsored by the Zakai family, by Dr. Zakai, Mumishpachta, Lila Nishmas, Rav Shem Eliezer, Ben Rav Yaakov Zakaim, and Rivka Bas Tovya Halevi, their Neshama Shav and Aliyah. They should be Melissa Yisharm for their whole families. For Simcha Sanachas, Arbias Gal Tzedek. Tonight's Shir is sponsored by my dear friend, Rav Nassim Wadler, who's here tonight, um, and, his, and his family. Lezeich Hanishmas, Rav Nassim Zayda, Rav Shraga Faival Mendelovich, Rav Shraga Faival Ben, Moshe Mendelovich, whose yard site was Gimel Er. I just, uh, Gimel Elol, just making sure. Gimel Elol. Actually, yesterday I heard a, a good story. Rabbi Wine was saying that um, many, many years ago, like 50 years ago, Bell Company gave a discount in Muncie on the uh, electric bill for all rabbis. So all of a sudden, everyone in Muncie became a rabbi. So... He decided, you know, how's he going to distinguish himself? He'll call himself Barrel Wine. So the, telev- the company said, oh, you must be a rabbi. Because everyone else, but uh Shagafaival was Makhbet to call himself Mr. Mendelovich. And of course, he uh, has a big chilek in all the Torah uh, that's, uh, that has developed and flourished in the United States of America. So we wish of Nassim that the Zaydus and Shamsham Belia be a Melchior his whole family for Simchas and Nachas. Tonight's share is also sponsored by Rabbi Leibish Schwartz, Rivka Bas Leibish, who is Nifter Vav Elol, Tavshin Pe'alef, Sham Sham Aliyah, for the whole family, Tonight's share is also sponsored anonymously. May the Rabbi Sham bless that anonymous family, Bechol Mili Demetav. If you don't yet have your Mystery and Majesty, it is now available with free shipping and 10% off. You could use the promo code MYSTERY, okay? Say, so how am I going to remember that? Well, the book is called The Mystery and the Majesty. You just have to remember the mystery part. And you also have to remember to pay for it. But besides that, you're, you're good. Okay, tonight's a really uh, interesting share. Let's start with a, a, a question. Such a good question, I didn't find anyone who asks it. But someone has to ask it. And the question is, we know during our Sosimei Tshuva, we're noheg, certain chumrois, certain stringencies, most notably the Shulchan Aruch says, not to eat pas akum. So for those of you who like Arnold's bread, or Stelladoro cookies, or Thomas English muffins, great, but not during our Sosimei Tshuva. Why? Because we're machmer. We try to be machmer during that Sarasim Tshuva. Now, you know, it's one thing if you tell HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm going to be better this year. I'm going to try not to eat Pasakam. And if you last a month, two months, okay, at least you tried. But to tell God, Rebbe I'm going to fool you. During these ten days, I'm going to be machmer this. But as soon as Yom Kippur is over, I'm back to my old ways. I mean, what's, what's the point of that? It's not, is that a really 
significant? Does that have any meaning? You're makabel something for a short amount of time, and telling you, I have no intention of keeping it as soon as they blow the shofar on Yom Kippur. I was one. okay, I'll leave that out. I'll leave the story out. Because you never know who's listening. Okay. Let us begin with uh, the subject of the end of Parsha Shoftim, the subject of the Egla Rufa, if uh, someone is found slain, and we need to find out who's responsible. So the Zakanim of the closest city, uh, the Mishnah and Saita says they wash their hands and they speak up and they say, Look, we didn't kill the guy. Our hands didn't spill the blood. We don't know anything. Don't look at us. We're innocent. Says Rashi, well, I don't understand. We're going to the Gadol Hadar, and, and the Gadol Hadar says, Oh, I didn't do it. What, what we thought he did it? Why, why are we going there? Well, we thought he did it? I mean, the guy's dead. The guy's dead like a doorknob, right? And, uh, you know, there are the hilarious all over the place, you know? And we go, we go to the Gadol Hadar's house, we're not going to say, Oh, it wasn't me. Rashi says, V'chi al-sa'ad shalev would you think that the elders are murderers? What the elders, so the answer is, that there's a certain liability that we're insinuating they have, that they have to release themselves from. And they say, look, we didn't see the guy and let him go without food and without escort. Because what we're saying is, that if the guy left the city and he didn't have food and nobody escorted him, that's why he died, because nobody cared about him. He was starving and he was demoralized and he was depressed. He has no friends. So this came so we didn't know he was in the city. If we would have known, we would have escorted him, but we never saw him to escort him. Which implies, somehow, that if somebody would have escorted the guy, the guy wouldn't have been harmed. Right? We know that's an important practice when you have a guest. You give the guy food, you give the guy drink, and you walk him out. You have to walk him four cubits. If you, if you have company, now, Bechlal, you know, um, people, people say to me something, you know, how come we don't invite guests, Hachnosas Orchim? It's not Hachnosas Orchim to invite the guy who lives on your block to your house for a meal. It's not Hachnosas Orchim. The guy has a bed. The guy has food. The guy is Hachnosas Orchim is someone who doesn't have a homeless guy or a guy has nowhere to go. It's not a, somehow Hachnosas Orchim became the guy who you sit next to in shul, oh, I'm going to invite him to my house. Like Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu wasn't inviting the guy who sat next to him in shul to his house. It's not nothing to do with Hachnosas Orchim. But Hachnosas is someone who doesn't have a place to go. <laughs> anyway, but uh, the Chavetz Chaim tells a story about a certain city where they were very, uh, they, they were very um, excellent in the midst of Hachnosas Orchim and there were fires in the city and it was explained because they did, they fed and they gave to drink and they didn't do escort and the full gamut of Achnaz Zarchim is Achil Shasia Levaya, Eishel. Without the Lamed, it's Eish. Without the Lamed, it's, it could be dangerous. So you got to escort somebody, minimum Daladamas, eight feet out of the house. Okay. But that implies that somehow if you escort someone out of your house, he's going to be protected. I don't understand. The guy, he say, where, where are you going after this? Oh, after this, I'm going, I'm going, uh, I'm going to Westchester. How are you getting there? Ah, I'm walking through Harlem. Or where are you going? Uh, thank you for the meal in uh, in the heart of Jerusalem, Yerushalayim. Where are you going? I'm going to Shechem. 
I mean, any guy who goes to Shechem with that IDF escort, I mean, I, that's next stop, by the way. We got to go to the Kefir of Yosef HaTzadik. Come on, if you went to France, you could go to Yosef HaTzadik. But, um, so, so now what? Oh, so I'm going to protect you. How am I going to protect you? I'm going to walk you Dalet Amos. And now that I walked you Dalet Amos in the five towns, now when you walk through Harlem, you're going to be protected? What do the Dalet Amos accomplish? What, is it, what exactly is uh, taking place when you escort somebody Dalet Amos? So the Masha says, this is really a very powerful Masha. Masha says, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seventh line. The Marshan Saita says the Marshavu Vadai Dover Suguli. It's definitely a supernatural thing. Shahamislave Nitzel Mehezek. If somebody gets escorted, he will be saved from damage. Dematayade that would have that he would have uh, incurred Kalakaman. Vahumavuar. Why? What's the reason? Listen to this. Kivan Shehizhalavois Dalaramois. Since you started to escort him for Amos, Gambeir, so why am I trying to escort you? I'm trying to escort you because I want you to be protected. So, Harei Kavanosoi, the Daitoi, I want you to be protected. So, then why don't I walk with you with, uh, with, ar- and, you know, with armed escort, walk you through Harlem to where your destination? The answer is because I also have a life. I can't, can't spend the next five hours escorting you. But I'm walking you Dalet Amos. Because I, ma, I want to protect you. Hare kavanosoi, my kavana, my intent. Vedaitoi, my mindset. Lahatsiloi baderch, to save you on the road. Umachshavtoi, and my thoughts. Uritsoinoi, and my desire. Mahani lelechavero bechaladerach, will protect you the whole road. Lahatsiloi, to save you. Alderach, in the vein of. Ritsoin Yerei of Yase, God will fulfill the desire of those who fill him, uh, those who fear Him. So I'm walking you four cubits. Why don't I walk you the whole road? Because I actually, I also have a life. I also have a job. I, I don't have five hours to walk you where you're going. But I'm walking you, and I'm demonstrating. I want you to be protected. Once it is clear what my desire is, there's a principle. God fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. So God's going to protect this guy the whole road because his friend wants him to be protected. Wow. So we always know actions are important. Words are important. Maybe even thoughts are important. Now we're learning what you want has an effect in this world. What you want changes the reality. This guy would have been in danger, but because you want him to be protected, God will fulfill that. Now, so why can't I just sit back at home? And the guy says, okay, I really appreciate it. And I say, yeah, have a nice day. Lee. He said, where's the door? Don't make a right at the end. And uh, don't let the door hit you from behind when you're leaving. He said, that's it? Yeah, but I want you to be safe. So it sounds like it's very nice you want the guy to be safe, but by doing even a small act to show what you want, that has a lot of significance and a lot of value. And that's what I want to uh, speak about tonight in uh, the context of the month of Elul and what our focus should be preparing for Rosh Hashanah. Is there any other mitzvah that, like similar to this? In terms of a- let's see, let's see. Right now, 
This seems like a pretty novel uh, little practice. Then the Marsha continues another possibility. We all have angels that hang out with us. I have a couple, you know, one on the right side, one on the left side. You have angels, we all have angels. There's even a halach and shulchan arach that we don't do anymore, that when you go to the Beis HaKisei, you say, Hiskabdu mechubadim, you know, I'll be right back. <laughs> and uh, the Mechaber says we don't do it anymore because we don't consider ourselves so righteous that the angels are always with us. And what about Friday night? You know, you say, you greet the angels, do the angels come, do they not come? But there's an idea, the angels are always there. If you want the guy to be protected, the angels say, oh, Reuven wants Shimon to be protected. Okay, we'll, we'll, fin- we'll finish the job. We'll do what you can't do. Reuven can't protect him the whole way. He doesn't have arms. He doesn't have time. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't have the, the availability to protect him. But once he walks in four cubits and he demonstrates his sign, the malachim that accompany you will complete the job that you wanted to do. So from here we see something very important. That your ratzon, your desire, has a significant and tangible effect in this world. You want him to be protected? The Rebbein Shalom is going to help him. There's a story reported in the Sefer HaMa'oris HaGadolim by Reb Chaim Zaychik. I had a Rebbe in Yeshiva, Rabbi Binyamin Luban, who was close with Rabbi Chaim Zaychik. And he writes about the altar of Slavotka, Rabbi Nassim Tzvi Finkel, that Rabbi Nassim Tzvi was overflowing with hatava and giving. Anyone who, who would meet him would be taken by the beneficence that Rabbi Nassim Tzvi wanted to bestow on the person. And... Even if Rav Nassim Tzvi could not be native to somebody and show kindness to someone, he expressed his desire that he wishes he could help the person and he would pray for them and he would bless them. And the story goes that one time, um, Rav Nassim Tzvi was standing by the window and he, would, and he would offer blessings to people who passed by who couldn't even hear him. You should be successful, you should have good health, you should uh, make a lot of money. You're just standing there by the window, like keeping blessings down. And one time, one of his Talmidim who was with him, Rav Nasi was by the window, and he was saying, Good morning! Good morning! And the student was looking, who, Who's he talking to? There's nobody there. Who's, who's, the, who's the old man talking to? He said, Rebbe, who are you saying good morning to? So I'm saying good morning to Yankel. Rebbe, Yankel's not there. What do you mean you're saying? Only when I meet Yankel face to face, I should say to him, I want you to have a good morning. Why can't I say, even if Yankel's not there? Why can't I express, I want Yankel to have a good day? Why does he have to be there? Why can't I articulate? My desire is, I want things to be good for Yankel. And Rev. The Rav Goldberg, Rashivav tells in his commentary to the Arches Chaim of the Rosh, understands this story, that what Rav Nassim Tzvi was doing, was like the Marsha, that we see from here, we see an idea, that even if you can't lend somebody money, and even if you can't 
help somebody physically, and even if you can actively do chesed to somebody, it has value to want goodness for somebody else. Just wanting it is valuable. Wanting it is a chesed. Because ritzoin yirei of yaseh. God fulfills the wants of those who fear Him. So this is a very interesting concept. Think about the novelty of this. We know, you know, you put on tefillin, that's valuable. You sit in a sukkah, it's valuable. You learn Torah, it's valuable. What value does it have to want to do something good? You want, very good. You know, somebody, sometimes people say, you know, I really want it to come. Yeah, yeah so? <laughs> either, yeah, either you did, or you didn't, no. It has value. Somebody wants to do something, it has a lot of value. The Gemara Makkah, Staf Yudam says, Amar Rabba Bar Huna, Amar Rabba Bar Rav Huna, Rabba, the son of Rav Huna, said in the name of Rav Huna, and some say, Rav Huna said in the name of Rav Lazar, that in the, from the Chumash, from the Nevi'im, from the Ksuvim, we learn the following principle. On the way that a person wants to go, they lead him. The Gemara says, we see that from Bilam. God says to Bilam, don't go. So Bilam doesn't listen. And then a few minutes later, Hashem says, okay, go. What happened? Hashem told him not to go. So the Gemara says, yeah, but Hashem saw Bilam wanted to go. So since Hashem saw Bilam wanted to go, He says, I'm going to go. Or the Pasuk says, I am Hashem your God, who teaches you to, to, for, to benefit yourself, and I guide you in the road that you're going. Or the Pasuk in Mishlei, Im lelaitzim hu yalitz. You want to be a scoffer? You want to be a joker? You know, there's some people that come to Shul to be serious. And other people, not, not, in, not in the five towns or in New York, but in other communities, in other planets, let's say. You know, on other planets that have life form, some creations, they, they go to shul to joke around. Oh, you're going to joke around? Yeah, but it's Tishabav. So you're going to joke? I'll give, you, I'll give you funny things to joke about. I'll supply you with the laughing material. You want to go in a certain path? I'll make sure something funny happens. I'll give you plenty of stuff to joke about. So the Marsha is bothered by a very interesting question. What does the Gemara mean on the road that a person wants to go on? They take you. Who's they? Who's the they? You know? The government? Who's the they? On the road you want to go on, they lead you. Who's the, uh, the proverbial They. Who's the they? Let's pull away the veil. Who's the they? Ready for this Marsha? Comes a Marsha, and he says a wondrous thing. Says a Marsha, Marsha comes second line, become a I already wrote many, many places. Kol machshava the dibur umase ha'adam hinehu boyreloi malach. Every thought, word, and act, you create an angel. Im whether good or bad. Now, some of this we know, we understand. You do a mitzvah, you create an angel, right? You know, you say amen, you create an angel. You do a mitzvah, you create an angel. You do an aver, you create a monster. By the way, I believe the Archaim HaKadr says, 
in the end of this week's parish, it says, Kiseitzim Mechamal Yevecha, Thiroisa, Amrav Mimcha, Loisiro Mehem. It says, you can go out to war, and you're going to see a big nation, stronger than you, don't be afraid. It says, Rachayim HaKadosh, you can go out to war, that's the war against the Yitzhahara. And the Yitzhahara is going to say to you, huh, you're not going to fight me. You know how many monstrous, uh, distorted, mutant angels you created through the millions of sins you've done? And the, 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 the Yitzhahara shows you billions of malachi, um, hashchasa, billions of mutant angels that you created. And he said, I created that. How am I ever going to do tshuva? Hashem says, don't be afraid. You could do tshuva. So every time you do an act, every time you do an avera, you create an angel. Every time you say a word that's meritorious, you create a, uh, an angel. Every time you say a sinful word, you create an angel. But not only that, every thought that you have, if it's a good thought, you create a malach. If it's an impure thought, you create a destructive malach. I mean, that's... That, that. So you're telling me life is, actually means something? Life is serious? <laughs> Imagine every act, every thought, every thought, every thought creates an angel? Says the Marsha, what we have control of is the path in life. Because, we could choose whether we want to go on the right path or the wrong path. However, once we choose the path, whether we do something, whether we say something, whether we think something, we create myriads of angels and they continue us along the path. They're the ones who bring us on the path, not Hashem. We basically control the destiny of our lives. We choose the path. Once we choose the path, the angels are created and they continue the person along the path. So this is a very novel and powerful and empowering and frightening and haunting and ennobling idea. That every act, word, and thought has an effect in this world. So the guy's on his phone. He sees uh, another another person wants my money. Another tzedakah collection. So okay, someone's a big tzaddik. He gives to each one. But I mean, I'm just trying to see uh, you know what happened yesterday. I have five hundred. So, but okay. I wish I could help them. I wish I could help them. I wish I could help them. It's, I, look, it's much better to help the person, of course. But does it have value to wish you could help them? Yeah. You go to a siyam. The guy finished shas. The guy finished the chai. No, I, I can't. I'm not holding there. Okay. But at least want to. That has value. That has value. Now watch this. There was a man by the name of Moshe Rabbeinu. You ever hear of him? Moses? Moshe Rabbeinu did something that nobody in the history of the world was authorized to do. He separated from his wife. And Miriam was very surprised. Who does Moshe think he is to separate from his spouse? 
Well, he's holier than me. God speaks to me also, and I don't separate from myself. Aaron, you separate from yourself? No. God speaks to you, yeah. So why, why is Moshe separating from his spouse? So Miriam spoke Lashon uh, about Moshe. Miriam didn't realize Moshe was greater than any other Navi. That every other Navi had, uh, God didn't speak to at will. Moshe had to be ready 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for divine communication. So he had to be Tahar at all times. So Miriam spoke Lashon about Moshe. But the, the question is, this is addressed by Toysus and Shabbos and Toysus and Yavamis. That the Gemara says three things Moshe Rabbeinu did and Hashem endorsed. He added a day on to Kabbalah Satoira. He broke the Luchais and he separated from his spouse. Because after Matan Torah, Hashem, the, the Jewish people had to separate from their wives by Matan Torah. And after Matan Torah, Hashem tells Moshe, go tell them to go back to their tents, to their wives, and you, you stay with me. So the Gemara says, we, so Moshe separated from his wife, and God said, you did the right thing. Attaboy, not attaboy. Good going, Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah, fine. Ask Toysus, if Hashem endorsed Moshe Rabbeinu separating from his wife, then how could, why would Miriam speak Lashon Har about Moshe Rabbeinu? Miriam said, oh, who does Moshe think he, he is? He's separating from himself. What do you mean? Hashem told him to. If this is one of the three things that Hashem said, you're doing the right thing, then what was the Lashon Har that Miriam spoke? That's Toysus' Kash and Shabbos and Yavamas. We have Yavamas over here, because Toysus and Yavamas adds a line, the end of number 9. Why did Miriam get angry at him? Because Miriam said, Yeah, God told you to separate from your wife. But God also told Bilaam to go. Why did God tell Bilaam to go? He first told him not to go. But when Bilaam wanted to go, God said, You want to go, go. So Miriam says, I agree God told you to separate from your wife. But the reason he told you is because he wanted that, and you shouldn't have wanted that. So you twisted God's arm for him to tell you to separate from your spouse. How did Moshe twist the arm of God? By wanting to. Miriam said, who do you think you are? To want to. Moshe said, I mean, give me a, <laughs> cut me some slack. How could you speak Lashon Har about me if God told me that I'm right? No, God only told you that you're right because you wanted it. That doesn't mean you're right. So look at... The power of Ratzain. Ratzain could change what is correct and what is wrong. It was wrong in the eyes of Miriam. Ratzain could force the hand of Hashem. You could have <laughs> the Rebbe held in the eyes of Miriam. The Moshe Rabbeinu was not allowed to do it. But Hashem told him to do it because Moshe wanted it. Here's another example. You ever hear there's a Pasuk that sometimes the ancient Hebrews say in their prayers? You open up your hand and you satisfy every living thing's desire. Right? You touch the shell Yad and then you touch the shell Roish. They go like this. You ever see the Sfaradim? They go like this. Why? Because all the gold comes down in Shamayim when you say Pesach That's why Ashkenazim, we have a much harder time making a living because we miss all that. We, 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 don't, we don't catch it, right? You know, now, but by the way, the Tzitzel has a tshuva. Are we Ashkenazim are allowed to go like this? He said, yeah, he does it. 
It's like a poyal demyoin. It's like, what, like when the Nevi'im would do actions to bring prophecy to fruition. So you could go like that. Anyway, Reb Chaim Knievsky has the following question. Really? God opens up His hand and He gives everybody what they want? Let's just take a little poll. Raise your hand if you have everything you want. Besides me, there's no one in this room, yeah, who raised their hand. So what, what does the Pasuk mean? God, op- you open up your hand and you give to every living thing their desire. But the Gemara says, yeah? So what does it mean? God opens up His hand and He satisfies the desire of every living. Says Rucham Kenevsky, I'll give you a mashal. The king comes into the city. He says, ah, I'm here today, I'm giving everyone a thousand bucks. The only thing is, the guy in right field, he owed the king a thousand bucks. So the king said, okay, so we're, so we're even. So did that guy not get anything? No, he got as much as everybody else. So, we sometimes owe God also. You know, if we do an Avera, so we, we got to get our retribution, we have punishment. That's what Yisurim are. The Gemara says in Erechen that if somebody doesn't have Yisurim in 30 days, they should worry, uh-oh, maybe I'm getting my Gan Eden in this world. So the Gemara says, hey, chidami Yisurim, what's an example of Yisurim? The Gemara says you stick your hand in your pocket to pull out a nickel and you pull out a dime. That's already Yisurim. So Yisurim, uh, most people have uh, some Yisurim every day. Not everything goes exactly, but it's a good thing because it, it, it compensates, it, it's a payback for an Avera. So it says of Chaim Kievsky, the starting point is God gives everybody everything they want. And whatever you don't have that you want is Mechaper, your Averis. So you do, God does give you everything. But I don't have everything. Yeah, yeah, because you owed Him. So whatever, but, but that means what you wanted is given to you. What you wanted is important. What you wanted actually decides what you should get and whatever you don't get. It's a kapara. Don't feel bad. It's a good kapara. So again, we see that rotsoin actually, what I'm supposed to get is not what almost God decides I should get. It's what I want. Now, sometimes Hashem can't give it to me because I owe Him. But look at the power of rotsoin to... Here Miriam said, Moshe, um, your Ratzayin changed what Hashem says. So here's the story. This is like, we, we said over the story in the uh, Drapier House of Champagne. Uh, we call it, this is a terrible medrash. It's the best medrash, it's a great medrash, but it's, it's a very unusual medrash. Medrash talks about a certain alcoholic who he spent all his money on wine, beer, whiskey, bourbon, all kinds, champagne, and all that other good stuff. Scotch. <coughs> and uh, he had nothing left, so he started to sell his furniture. And then the kid said, that's enough. Dad's going to deplete the, all the assets. So they said, what do we do with him? We've got to get rid of him. So they carried him out one day in a drunken stupor and they bring him to a cemetery. They dig a plot for him. They dump him in the hole and they say, it's been nice knowing you. And the matter says a whole story. There was uh, an army walking through and uh, there was, uh, there, 
there was another army about to attack them, and of course armies always travel with their stash of alcohol, and one of the armies ran away, and they ran after him, and the, the army left all their alcohol in the cemetery right by the guy's grave. So a few days later, he wakes up from his stupor, he looks up, and he says, the Garden of Eden is much better than I thought. And uh, the, the boys come back a few days later, and they want to see what's up with Dad. And they see he is enjoying his alcohol like never before. So they said, uh, I guess he has what he wants. And they brought him back, and they made a deal. On Sunday, Reuven gives Dad alcohol. On Monday, Shimon. On Tuesday, Levi. And the story ends happily ever after. And Rebel Yo Desra Mechtamayo asks, is the most bizarre medrash in the history of the medrash. What exactly is the, I mean, why is this a medrash? This is like, you know, definitely not for a general audience. How is this Torah? What's the moral of this? Yeah, what's the moral? The moral of the story is that if you want alcohol, go to the cemetery. I mean, what, what are you supposed to learn from the. Uh, so you see, now you understand how Kfarim could be exciting, you know? But what exactly, what do we learn from this Medrash? Says Rebel Yo Dessler, from this Medrash we see the great principle of Bederech Sha'adam Roitzel Leilech Moilich On the road you want to go on, God will guide you on that road. You want to be an alcoholic, God will give you Siata the Shmaya Lamalmata. You want to have a guy. He's, he could eat 90 hot dogs. Well, what's this guy's name? Every year, the guy could eat 90 hot dogs. How is it possible? How is it humanly possible to eat 90 hot dogs? I mean, the esophagus in the stomach, there's room for three and a half hot dogs. How could the guy eat 90 hot dogs? With the bun. The answer is, this is his chosen path, and he has siyata d'shmaya l'malam Ateva. You have, if you want to be an alcoholic, you could be an alcoholic in nobody's business. You want to eat hot dogs, you could eat hot dogs in nobody's business. God will guide you on your... Sometimes you, you look at the shas. How is it possible to learn the whole shas? I can't even learn one line of Gemara. I haven't looked at a line of Gemara in I don't know how long. The answer is, it's, you're right, it's impossible. It's impossible to learn two lines of Gemara. But if you choose to learn it, God will help you. The same way He helped the guy eat the hot dogs. You think if God helps the guy eat the hot dogs, He can't help you learn a block Gemara? That's the way it works. We just choose the path. And then the Rivan Shem takes us the rest of the way there. B'derech sha'adam right now. We know midah toiva maruba. The path, God's attribute of kindness and goodness is 500 times greater than the attribute of punishment. So if God is going to help an alcoholic... Just extrapolate how much more the Yibam will help a person in Ruchnius achieve what they would like to achieve. One more story. So, we have to get Rameyer in, of course. So the Gemara tells us, Nyuma Pei Gimel Amad that Rameyer, Rabbi Yehud, and Rabbi Yosef were going on the road. Rameyer was Medayek in people's name. He would ask you your name. What's your name? David. That's a good name. Rameer, <laughs> Rameer would uh, analyze people's name. He would tell you everything about you by looking at your name. Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Huda, they didn't pay so much attention. So they got to a certain host, and they asked the host, what's your name? He said, my name is Kidar. 
So Rabbi says, this guy's an oisvarf, kidar, tapuches, heima, this guy's up to no good. Rabbi Yudin and Rabbi Yosef didn't pay any attention. So when you go to an inn, back in the day, instead of they have that thing in the room with the safe, you would give it to the host. I'm not sure what anybody was thinking about that arrangement, but you would give the wallet to the host, especially on, Sh- on Shabbos. So they gave the wallet to the host, Rameir went straight to the cemetery. And he buried his wallet. Now it turns out he buried the wallet by the host's father. The host's father, in the world of truth, came to the host and said, by the way, there's a wallet by my head. It's really, you know, it's a little uncomfortable, you know. You might want to uh, dig out the wallet. So the host went to ask Rameir Ashaila, do dreams mean anything? Mean anything? Rameir said, what kind of dream? I had a dream about, my, no, dreams mean nothing. So Rameir ran to the wallet and he stood there the whole Shabbos. <laughs> Shabbos is over. Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Yossi say to the guy, give me my wallet back. And the guy said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Rabbi Meir tells them the whole thing. And they said, why didn't you tell us about the name business? And Rabbi Meir said, look, I didn't know for sure. It's just you have to be concerned. That's the story. And Rabbi Chaim Shalavitz, I cannot find this in any of the writings of Rabbi Chaim Shalavitz, but I saw it quoted in the Sefer Oitzvah Satoira. Rabbi Chaim asks, this host... He's a good guy, or not a good guy. He's he's a he's a, he makes love love on look like an honest guy, right? He's he's a crook. How did he end up getting? Uh, he stole the wallets of Rabbi Yosi, and he was going to steal the wallet of Rameir. How? He had divine prophecy. His dad came to him from the world of truth to help him steal. I mean, what, the guy's a navi. He's like Yechezkel Anavi, Yeshaya, Yermia, Treyasa, Yoyna. I mean, who is he? Moshe Rabbeinu. The guy's a crook. How's he having divine communication? Says Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, he wants to steal, so God will give him assistance supernaturally, that he will have communion from the world of truth to assist him stealing. How'd that baseball player hit so many home runs? What do you mean? Steroids. Yeah, but before there were steroids. Uh, The answer is there were always steroids, and there still are steroids. But even if there weren't steroids, they would have siyata deshmaya. They've chosen this career path. And even though you you, you throw a regular guy a baseball, he could barely get it to third base, this guy could hit it out of the park. Why? Because this is their chosen path. This is the power of Ratzayn. You want something? The Rebbeinu Shalom will give you tremendous siyata neshmaya. Ratzon has great value. You have the ability through Ratzon to protect somebody walking through Harlem merely because you want him to be protected. It has value to want to somebody to have a good day even though you don't see them. You want them to have a good day. That has value. You want a certain path in life God will come to you and say, yeah, do that. What do you mean? It's the wrong thing to do. No. You could even twist the arm of the Rebunisham to tell you that what you're doing is right, even though it's wrong. By the way, I just thought of another example. There's Gemara in Brachas, I think on Chavches. The Gemara says that Rabban Gamliel, he used to throw everybody out of the base Medrash. Because uh, he said, if, if your inside is not like your outside, then you don't belong here. 
So the Rebbe and uh, Rebbe Gamliel felt bad that when Rebbe Azariah became the Nasi, that all of a sudden uh, the shawl was packed again. So Hashem showed Rabban Gamliel in a dream a certain uh, vase that to indicate that uh, people who are not good on the, on the inside don't really deserve to be in the Mesa Medrash. And the Gemara says, no, God wasn't saying Rebbe Gamliel was right, but Hashem was making him feel better. Making him feel better. So, so now Ram Gamliel thinks what he's doing is right. The answer is, yeah, that was his path. That was his darach. So Hashem says, yeah, go ahead. And therefore, in the month of Elul, of course, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be doing tshuva. But, here's the chedosh. Before you do tshuva, you know what you need to do before you do tshuva? You know what also has value even if you don't do tshuva? Wanting to do tshuva. If you want to do tshuva, that has great value. That's very important. Say, so come on, either you are or you aren't. Either you're doing tshuva or you're not doing tshuva. Who says there's something called wanting to do tshuva? So remember, many years ago, I even said this over once, I remember hearing in Yeshiva from one of our Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Yudha Jacobson Shlita, in the Shari Tshuva, Rabbeinu Yoyna, Shar Alf, Islam and Gimel, Rabbeinu Yoyna is talking about the advantage of breaking desire. What's for supper? Chicken. Nah, I don't want chicken. I want rib steak. I want it to be this big. You know the kind that they sell for like $90? I want a big, juicy steak. What's wrong with chicken? Nothing's wrong, but it doesn't get my juices going like a big, thick steak. Rabbeinu Yonah talks about breaking taiva. That breaking one's taiva... You know, we live in America. There's no such thing... You know, in, uh, in Europe, so you had a few morsels of food. You ate to, to satiate your hunger. Does anyone today eat to satiate their hunger. That's the first two bites. But what about the next 90 bites? Single, you know, most people eat well beyond they're, they're uh, not hungry anymore. Basically, we eat for pleasure. We don't eat because we're hungry. We eat for pleasure. Now, you can't eat all day for pleasure. If you ate all day for pleasure, you'd, be ha- you'd have to call uh, the emergency room. So we have to take breaks but we basically try to eat as much as we can to get as much pleasure as we can. So Rabbeinu Yonah says, no, break your taiva. It has, it has value. You're in the middle of eating. You're 80% of the way through. You're not hungry anymore. Now you're just eating purely for taiva. It's a good idea to be able to be shoiver your taiva. Why? Listen to these words. Ki yigala b'tzedek liboy. You reveal the righteousness of your heart. V'tuv chefzoi l'tshuva. You're showing you want to do tshuva. And therefore you're trying to stay away from that which brought you to sin, which is taiva. I understand. You're showing you want to do tshuva. But I'm not doing tshuva. Tshuva is stopping to sin. You know what tshuva is. Most people think tshuva is, oh, it's Rosh Hashanah time. Let me write out a check. And then I'm okay. After all, it says, tshuva utzedaka. So I can give a check and pay membership. And then I'm free. By the way, giving a check has nothing to do with tshuva. And whatever organization you give it to will still accept it. But it has nothing to do with tshuva. Tshuva is three simple things. 
regret your sin, stop your sin, and confess your sin. So what do you mean? I'm not eating as much, I'm, being, I'm curtailing, because I'm showing I want to do tshuva. Great, good for you, you want to do tshuva, but you're not doing tshuva. No, it's very valuable to show you want to do tshuva. Wanting to do tshuva is the greatest thing you can do, because if you want to do it, God will lead you there, you'll eventually do it. But now watch this. As powerful as it is to want to do tshuva, but the guy who wants his friend to be protected, that's not going to fully protect him. But if you do a small act, like you escort him four amas, what's four amas? It's, it's nothing. If I do a small act, and through a small act, I reveal what my rutzlein is. So I'm not just, I'm not just passively thinking what I want. I'm actually doing something tangible, albeit very small, that reveals what my rutzlein is. God, oh, now you're acting and you're showing what your rutzlein is. I'm going to protect this guy for the next 500 miles. Imagine if somebody did something small that shows that he wants to do tshuva. And maybe that's the idea of some of these chumras that we take upon ourselves during our Yemei tshuva. We're not, we're, we're, we tell Hashem, look, we don't plan on keeping this after. We're not going to keep this after. But at least during this time of the year, I'm, I'm doing something, uh, albeit very small, to indicate, to reflect, to show what I really want. Oh, you did a small act to show what you really want. The same way if you escort somebody, the Rosh will protect the guy for 500 miles. If you take upon yourself in the month of Elo, during a Tshuva, a small, concrete practice, very small, like Dalet Amos, but you show, Tuv Chetzoy Tshuva, you show that you want to do Tshuva, how, how valuable that is. Desire, Ratzayin, is very powerful. Every time you think something, every time you say something, every time you do something, it creates an angel. If you show you want to do tshuva, you know how many angels are going to say, oh, this guy wants to do tshuva, they're going to start, they're going to be pushing you. It's going to be, a you're going to end up becoming a complete bow tshuva and you barely did anything. They'll take you the rest of the way there. That's a very important limud from the end of Parsha Shoftim. Something important to keep in mind for Chodesh Elul, that even our Ritzoinos to do tshuva, you know, I believe in the, um, I believe in the Nusach of Tashlech, which is, uh, comes from the Chida. The Chida writes that we ask Hashem to see even the small stirrings of tshuva that are like in the deep recesses of our heart, they're barely even conscious thoughts. They could be subconscious, even a subconscious deep desire that you're barely aware of to want to do tshuva. That also has value in the eyes of Hashem. That also is uh, something that could con- continue on the path and then you could activate the mahalach of Bedarach Sha'adam Reitzaleilech Mailich Anaisai. Next week, there's no show Wednesday night. I think it's going to be Tuesday night. Okay? Coming week, I'm going to be in, uh, speaking in San Diego and Los Angeles Wednesday, Thursday. So, Tuesday night, as of now, will be this year. And wishing everybody a wonderful rest of the week. A good Shabbos and a good Chaydesh Kaltov.
Oh. Hashem, yeah. Wants our tshuva. Very good. Very nice. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.